0: The Trump administration has promised to make some of the biggest tax cuts in history. The goals include doubling the standard deduction and slashing business taxes from a top rate of 35 percent down to just 15 percent. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin says this will have no impact on the deficit.
1: This will pay for itself with growth and with reduced reduction of, of different deductions and closing loopholes. And there's lots and lots of details that will go into how that will pay for itself.
0: So will it? No. That's Kim Rubin, a senior fellow at the Tax Policy
2: Center. There hasn't been a case where tax cuts have been found to pay for themselves as of yet, and there's nothing that we've seen that indicates that it will.
0: Bill Gale agrees. He's the Tax Policy Center's co-founder.
1: So I would say the accumulated judgment of the profession is that tax cuts are not gonna raise enough growth to pay for themselves. But each individual episode we talk about, there's always sort of a yes, but kind of answer.
0: So who's right? And why is this idea embraced by some as a basis for policy making and dismissed by others as sheer fantasy? Today, Bill Gale and Kim Rubin will help us find answers. Welcome to this edition of Taxology, the podcast brought to you by the Tax Policy Center, a joint project of the Urban Institute and the Brookings Institution, where tax geeks decode the tax code, translate the jargon, and tell you what's really going on. I'm your host, Kathy Schalk. How did some policymakers come to believe that you could collect more money by taxing less? Much of the credit goes to an economist named Arthur Laffer. Back in 1974, in a restaurant in Washington, D.C., Laffer sat across the table from two White House officials, Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld. The Ford administration was considering raising taxes, and Laffer thought that would be a terrible idea. To demonstrate why, Laffer grabbed a napkin and drew what's now known as the Laffer Curve. Bill Gale picks up our story.
1: The the curve basically said that if the tax rate was zero, the government wouldn't collect any revenues. And if the tax rate was 100%, the government wouldn't collect any revenues because no one would work. So at rates between zero and 100%, the government would collect positive revenues. Uh, So... His argument was that we were at a tax rate at that point that, such that cutting the tax rate would actually raise revenues. It would move us to a higher point uh, along that curve.
2: This myth that's you know, r- risen up about this is sort of assuming we're at the point where people are already cutting what they're doing because taxes are too high. So let's look at the empirical evidence, starting back in the early
0: 1960s when President John F. Kennedy called for a tax cut.
1: A creative tax cut, creating more jobs and income, and eventually
0: more revenue. Congress did cut taxes in 1964. The following year, the deficit shrank, and then the Dow Jones Industrial Average doubled. Conservatives have looked back to that and said, there you go, It proves that tax cuts can stimulate economic growth and shrink deficits. Of course, one could argue that we are at a far different place on Laffer's Curve. At the start of the Kennedy administration, the top marginal rate was 91%, so cutting that to 70%, as Congress did, meant tripling after-tax income for those paying that top rate. Today, the top marginal tax rate is just
2: 39.6%. Kim, you've pointed out something else about the 1960s. If you go back, you know, the decade before that, and you're talking about the period after World War II, we had really high growth then too, Um, but it wasn't related to taxes. It had to do with what else was going on in the world. The other thing to sort of keep in mind is the economy and the population and the demographics are really different back then than they are right now.
1: We had a, uh, a much younger population Uh, Our world status and our ability to capitalize on that were much stronger than it is now. And let's not forget, besides the tax cuts, we had the Great Society uh, programs that started in the mid-60s, and we had the Vietnam War.
0: Okay, let's move on to another popular president who cut taxes.
1: Join me in this dramatic but responsible
2: plan to reduce the enormous burden of federal taxation on you and your family.
0: Ronald Reagan thought that the 70% top marginal rate he inherited was still too high.
1: No, Reagan referred to his tax cuts as dramatic but responsible. They caused the first peacetime buildup of deficits in U.S. history, uh, other than the Great Depression, and uh, they were reversed. A third of them were reversed in the following year with Reagan's blessing. So, um... His views about whether they were responsible uh, changed fairly dramatically uh, in the year after they were enacted.
2: They were willing to do that um, because they realized they weren't getting as much money in as they thought they needed, and so they acted responsibly. But it never actually had the boom effect that, you know, people are now purporting it did. Whatever effect the tax cuts of the
0: 1980s may have had on the economy, they did not pay for themselves. Deficits grew so much that by the early 1990s, when Bill Clinton became president, he saw tax hikes and spending cuts as the only way out.
1: If we don't act now, you and I might not even recognize this government 10 years from now.
0: Clinton warned Congress that in a decade the deficit could reach 80 percent of the nation's GDP and that paying interest on all that debt would crowd out other spending
1: and you'll come here and deliberate and argue over six or seven cents on the dollar, no matter what America's problems are.
0: Critics predicted that Clinton's tax plan would slow the nation's economic recovery and could tip it back into a recession. Instead, fueled by tech and stock market booms, the economy took off. Revenues climbed, the deficit began shrinking, and by the end of the Clinton era, it looked like the country was on track to pay off all its debt.
2: I'm not going to argue that the tax increases led to the growth overall in the economy but it is not surprising to think that if you raise taxes you get more money into your bottom line budget. There were other things going on in the economy that led to some of the growth that was happening but it was sort of taking a hard look at where we are and more importantly where we were going and thinking about what was in the best interest of the country.
0: Then came President George W. Bush. Today I am sending to Congress my plan to provide relief to all income taxpayers which I believe will help jumpstart the American economy.
1: The plan was what comprehensively cut income taxes, uh, the estate tax, Uh, It provided some subsidies at the low end, Uh, but basically it was a very expensive and regressive uh, plan. There were some uh, improvement in incentives that should have gotten people to work more but the evidence suggests it didn't.
0: What about economic growth? In
1: 2001 to 2007 growth was subpar even though we had tax cuts, even though we had increases in uh, military spending, even though we had increases in discretionary spending. So uh, I, I I think I, this this obsession with looking for tax cuts as a way to stimulate the economy in the long term uh, is just misplaced. I mean, it fits into ideology. It fits into wishful thinking. Uh, but the evidence suggests there would be better ways to do it. Uh, infrastructure investment, uh, investment in the uh, health, safety, education uh, of uh, low-income families and children,
0: What about evidence from the states? They've been laboratories as well. Some have experimented with lowering taxes as a way to stimulate growth, and they've gotten a lot of encouragement from Arthur Laffer himself.
1: Those states with no income tax have grown a lot, lot faster than those with the highest income tax rates. So it's not just the rich who move, but the businesses move as well, and then the workers go with them.
2: There was a period a few years ago where Arthur Laffer and a number of people were basically selling the Texas economy to all sorts of states saying basically if you cut your income tax to zero, you can grow and you can have the same economy that Texas has. It's ignoring the fact that a lot of what's growing the Texas economy is oil and natural resources and what I'd like to say is Texas doesn't even have the Texas economy anymore because of what's going on with natural resources and oil prices. And so we heard this mantra about the way to grow at the state level is to get rid of your income taxes. We've actually seen it crash and burn in a number of places, Kansas being the most obvious one.
0: Let's talk about Kansas.
2: Back in 2012, uh, Governor Brownback basically cut income tax rates cut the top marginal tax rate for individuals, but also cut business tax rates a lot. Across the political spectrum, there was a lot of concern about what Brownback both was proposing and how it was gonna be implemented. Right after it was implemented, I actually talked to some Republican legislators at an annual meeting, and they were concerned. It's basically led to five years of basically having deficits, not raising enough money, coming in, cutting services, until recently when basically a Republican majority in both the House and the Senate in Kansas overrode Governor Brownback and actually reversed directions. What about other states?
1: Oklahoma cut taxes and they had to go to a four-day school week in some districts. I mean, that would make them a laughing stock if it were not so sad and pathetic and misguided. But these states have cut high income taxes on the advice of Art Laffer and others, and they're just suffering disastrous consequences. And it's it's a perfect example of why people need to move beyond either the wishful thinking or the ideology that tax cuts will solve all of the problems and actually look at the evidence.
2: In some ways, the reason I think that we hear politicians keep up this conversation is because in some ways, if this is your mantra, it means you don't have to make some hard choices about what you're going to cut if you want to bring rates down. If you can actually say that cutting rates is enough to generate growth and so we don't actually have to do other things that are hard, then it becomes an easier sell. But there's really little evidence and no evidence that we actually have seen this over time.
1: I think Kim makes a really good point. The, the, the wishful thinking aspect of this is overwhelming. It's like, wow, I'm a politician, and so I can cut my constituents' tax rates, and that makes them happy, which makes me happy. And at the same time, it helps the economy so much it pays for themselves. It has no cost associated with it. I mean, come on.
0: The debate over self-financing tax cuts is certainly not over, but this podcast has come to an end. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our guest, Tax Policy Center co-founder Bill Gale and senior fellow Kim Rubin. I'm your host, Kathy Schalk, and this has been Taxology, brought to you by the Tax Policy Center, a joint project of the Urban Institute and the Brookings Institution in Washington, D.C.